Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. Jab look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 66. My name is Felipe Leon, and like always with me is my my co-host, my friend, David Avila. David, how you doing tonight? Very good, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. And for anybody that wants to call in and, and speak some uh, uh, female boxing, you can do so at 323-580-5735. 323-580-5735. I'm sorry, two-minute round. Female fights, female boxing every other Thursday here on Block Talk Radio forward slash two-minute round. And like always, like it is almost tradition here on the show, we are going to have a special guest tonight, and that's none other than 140-pound WBC champion Jessica McCaskill out of Chicago, Illinois. But right now, tonight, she's in Ox Hill, Maryland, at the MGM Grand Harbor, where this Saturday she will be taking on an Anaí Esther Sanchez in a unification fight for the WBA title as well as her WBC title on the zone. This fight uh, originally had the debut at heavyweight over Alexander Usyk, the undisputed, undefeated um, cruiserweight champion. But he heard his bicep. There was rumors that the fight would that the whole fight card will be scratched, but it did not. And that is good news because in the main event, we're going to have David Haney. But the fight that we are more interested in is this Jessica McCaskill fight. David? Yes, yes. They substituted Devin Haney, and who's a very good boxer. But now we get to see Jessica. Yeah, exactly. And that's the fight that we didn't want to have fall out because it is, a to me, the best fight of the weekend, even though we have in that um 10 years after rematch, but for me, the fight of the weekend is going to be the unification fight between McCaskill and Sanchez, and we are going to be waiting for her to call in in about 15 minutes. So before we go into that, um, let's go ahead and go into a little bit of the fight review, starting off on Friday, May 10th, from Nottingham Arena, UK, matchroom boxing, gave us Terry Harper scoring a six-round TKO over Claudia Andrea Lopez in a 10-rounder for the WBC International 135-pound title. Time there was 158. Funny, funny, I seen a Claudia Andrea Lopez fight. She actually fought in Rosarito years and years and years ago against uh, um, Kalisha West. And she was fighting like between one, I think it was at 118, and now she's fighting at 135. I actually follow her on social media, and she actually complained of a, of a uh, early stoppage in that fight, even though there was a pretty bad um, cut 
and that's why they stopped it. But she claimed that she could have get kept on going, and uh, and uh, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, also on the same night on Friday, May 10th, from the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Alicia Baumgarter got back on the win column with the first round TKO over Gabriela Mende in a scheduled six rounder at 135 pounds. So Baumgarter, after losing to what's the name of the girl she lost to, David? Do you remember? She's a little uh, bit of uh, Linarta Du. Mm-hmm. Christina After losing to her. And a kind of a not a surprise because Leonardo do it turns out to be very quite good. a tough fighter. Yeah, very good. Comes back on the win column and she has remounted herself and now she's looking to make some noise at 135 pounds. On Friday, May 17th, from the Montreal Casino in Montreal, Canada, King Clavel scored a unanimous decision over Tamara Elizabeth DeMarco in an eight rounder at 108 pounds. Scores there were 80-72 and 79-73 two times. And from the FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee, slowly but surely and very much under the radar, David, Ava Knight is making somewhat of a comeback under the Mayweather Promotions banner, scoring a unanimous decision over Crystal Hoy and an eight-rounder to capture a vacant regional 115-pound title. So, you know, even though she's not making a ton of noise, um... Ava Knight has been mentioned as a fight that Mariana Barbie Juarez would like. I'm sure other fighters at 115 or maybe 118 would like a crack at Ava Knight. She has some losses, but they've come on short notice. She has been a world champion uh, many times over. So uh, we'll see if she could get something done under the Mayweather Promotions banner. She kind of started... She, she signed to them, and it took them a while to get her a fight. Fights keep falling through, but now she's fought two or three times since then, and uh, everything's looking good for her, so hopefully she keeps uh, putting some wins under her belt, and maybe a big fight materializes either later this year or the beginning of next year. And Saturday, May 18th, from the Garden Casino in Hawaiian Gardens uh, here in Southern California, Raquel Miller scored a seventh-round KO over Aaron Tuffield in an eight-rounder. That was for the NABF 160-pound title. It was vacant. Actually, it was vacant by Raquel Miller. And now the time... The time there was one on one. David, you were in the house. We were in the house that night. What did you see in Raquel Miller? Well, I was I was very impressed. Um, she had uh, very good speed, very good hand speed. Uh, she also has a, a a willingness to engage. She didn't have to. She could have fought an easy fight, fought on the outside, very amateur like. But instead, she decided to fight like a prize fighter and took on Aaron Tohill and then knocked her out. It was pretty impressive stuff because Aaron Tohill, for people not familiar with her, she's a veteran. Although she's 40 years old, she is a very good fighter. Very good. Yeah, she gave it. She, you know, Raquel Miller pretty much dominated the whole fight, but there was a time there in the middle of the fight that Tohill uh, made it into a fight. Raquel was kind of, controlling the distance and boxing from the outside, using her speed uh, to kind of make it tough for Tuffhill, who couldn't really put punches together except for that jab. She was kind of pawing out that jab. But in the middle rounds, she was able to make it a little bit of a brawl. And she ended up winning a couple rounds in our scorecards, David. So she went there to fight, but just Raquel was a little bit younger, a little bit fresher, uh, faster, and turned out to be stronger because with the short right hand in the first punch of the night, 
dropped Tough Hill, and then dropped her again in the seventh round with the left hook. Actually, it wasn't even like a knockdown because she only went down to one knee. But she went down on that one knee a little shaky, got up a little shaky, and when um, the referee took a look at her, decided that she had had enough and stopped the fight. Now, before the fight, we had Raquel Miller here on our show on our last episode, episode number 65, and she talked about the beef that she's had in the past with Maricela Cornejo over social media, the beef she's had in the past over social media with Clarissa Shields, and it just turns out that after this fight, um, they went at it again. I don't know if you had a chance to catch that on social media, David, but Raquel Miller and Clarissa Shields went at it again. Raquel Miller uh, kind of made a, some kind of statement that she was looking for a world title at 160 pounds. Shields, over social media, asked which one, if she's the one that has all of them, because Clarissa right. Shields is the undisputed 160-pound uh, champion. Raquel Miller got uh, went back at her and and as the young people say, clap back, David, <laughs> and um, said all of them. And you know how you know Clarissa Shields has a she likes to you know talk, and Miller does as well. And they had a little bit of a back and forth on social media, so things are warming up there between Miller and Clarissa Shields. They have a lot of history. They sparred each other. They fought each other in the amateurs. Miller was an alternate for the 100 uh, 2012. Uh, uh, Olympic uh, team where Clarissa Shields won gold. I think she was. Uh, she, I think she mentioned she won a bronze medal in the Olympic trials in 2016. So she wasn't be. She wasn't part of that team. But they have a lot of history together. Uh, and uh, you know, I think eventually they're gonna have to meet up because Clarissa Shields. The one thing that she does need is opponents. And Raquel Miller um, is willing to fight her at one point. So they're gonna have to face each other sometime in the near future. Um, other than that, Raquel Miller's best friend, Tiara Brown, the 2018 Police Officer of the Year in Washington, D.C., scored a six-round TKO over veteran Alicia Gladney in a scheduled 10 runner at 130 pounds back in Washington, D.C. to capture the vacant IBF international title. Unfortunately, I tried to look for the fight. I know they were, it was broadcast on, on Facebook, I tried to look for the fight. I couldn't find it. David, did you get a chance to watch this fight? No, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't able to locate it uh, neither. Uh, but, you know, it's funny, but um, I have to hand it to Alicia Gladney because uh, she she was a last-minute replacement, uh, and, um, you know, she's a veteran, and she proved it by going six rounds with Tiara Brown. And for people who are not familiar with Tiara Brown, she can fight. She's very good. Well, she's very good. She's undefeated. Um, she's one of Luda, She's under the Lou Bella Entertainment banner, along with Raquel Miller, Melissa Saintville, Alicia Napoleon, the Serrano sisters, and one fighter that Lou Bella is very high on is Tiara Brown. And he, after that win, went on social media and said that if this is only the beginning, and that they're going to be looking for a world title opportunity soon for Tiara Brown. Do you think she's ready, David? Uh, absolutely, she's ready. Uh, but there's some really good fighters at 130. It's it's a crowded division. You have, first you have uh, Maiva Hamadouche in France, who I think is the 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 one that everybody should fear. She's the one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The thing with her and and and, and Bella is aware of her. 
Uh, he's mentioned her on the show when oh, we yeah. had her here. Um, she is a tough fighter. She, she Technically, I think that Brown is better, technically, because she's a good boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, she mm-hmm. knows how to put her punches together. But Hamadouce is just a, a, a whirlwind of punches. I mean, she just doesn't stop. She just throws punches after punches, and I think that's going to be a good style matchup. Now, the other champions at 130 pounds is the WBA, Hyunmi Choi out of South Korea. She's also undefeated, 16-0, one draw, four knockouts. She's been a champion since October 30th, 2013. At the WBC, we have Elva Wallstrom, who is 22-1, one draw, only three knockouts, and that one loss came at 135 pounds when she went up and uh, challenged Katie Taylor, but she's pretty good. She's a good boxer. She beat Melissa Stainville under dubious circumstances, said, uh, best said. Um, but I think she could put up a fight, and she's willing to come to the United States because that Ava Wonstrom fight wasn't Obviously, the pay is right. I don't know if Lou DiBella could put together a purse to bring her over from Finland because Katie Taylor is one thing, Tiara Brown is another as far as purse and, and, and demand, you know. Also, there's an interim champion for the WBC, surprise, surprise, Alem McCallid, who just scored that win on March 16th. She's 12-0 with only two knockouts. The aforementioned Mava Hamadouz, who is 20-1, 16 knockouts. And then the WBO, who is Ewa Bramnika, who is 16-0 with two knockouts. So every one of these fighters, except for Hamadouz and Wallstrom, have one loss, David. All the rest of them are undefeated. Yeah, and then uh, lurking right near the top is uh, Michaela Mayer, who fights mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. Michaela Mayer, and it, that's a fighter that Tiara Brown, even though both of them have very high, very extensive amateur pedigrees, they're fighters they have never faced each other. Tiara Brown told us a couple of episodes again when she was on the show that she has never faced Michaela Mayer in the amateurs, so that would be a fight. Did she? I think she did, though. Let me let me find out. I, I think I don't she think did. She did. Let me check, because I'm, I'm 100% sure. I think yeah. she did. I think she did. But I, I'll I think check they her. did. Yeah. Let me, let me double but check. Tiara's a, yeah, I, I think uh, it's, it's a good match, because Tiara's very quick, has a lot of power, but so does McKenna. Oh, they did. They have fought, they have fought in the amateurs. Mike Alamera has a win. Then Tyra Brown has a couple. Uh, well, no. Uh, Tyra Brown beat her once. T- Mike Mayer beat her twice, and then Tiara Brown beat her again, and then Michael Mayer beat Brown again. Brown again. Um, so yeah, they have they have they have they have history. So um, the thing that that worries me about Michael Mayer against Tiara Brown is the height advantage that Michael has. Uh, Brown is five seven, um, and Michael Mayer is five ten. She's five five nine five nine. Now she has a sixty-six and a half inch. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty tall. Uh, she has a sixty-six yeah, and a half. Uh, yeah. How tall are you, David? I'm um, I'm five eleven and three quarters. Yeah, you're pretty tall. So uh, yeah, you're almost you're almost six feet. Um, so yeah, so um, we'll see we'll see if that fight materializes. But I think I think I mean if they if they promoted the right way, David, I think that they should allow them to fight for world titles first. And then face them because that would be a huge fight in the United but, States. And if if yeah. top top rank ESPN Debella doesn't have a major um, 
TV outlet, so it would be under ESPN, and Sierra Brown could get some TV dates. And now, before we bring in the champ, 140-pound WBC champion Jessica McCaskill, who's on the line. <coughs> Lastly, in the fight results from the Deportivo Sindicato del Metro in Mexico City, on Azteca Channel this past Saturday night. This was like a, a late, like, I didn't even know about this fight, David, until I actually saw the weigh-in. Anabel Ortiz in a non-title fight scored a unanimous decision over uh, unknown Barbara Martinez in an eight-rounder at 108 pounds. Now, we all know that Anabel Ortiz is a WBA strawweight champion, but this was a non-title fight over the weight class, and there, I watched the fight. There really wasn't much to say. Ortiz dominated you know, dominate, uh, control the distance, score the better punches, score the more punches. It was just a keep busy fight. She hasn't fought in nine months. I think that she's starting to get a little bit stagnant at 105 pounds. All the other champions there are Asians, which are hard to bring over to Mexico. Um, they have come, but not a lot. I mean, Annabella Ortiz is a WBA. Tina Rupert in Germany is a WBC. Joanna Pastrana is the IBF in Spain, and then Kasumi Saeki is in Japan. So they're not all Asians. Actually, they're European and Mexican and one Japanese, but I haven't seen any inroads in trying to bring them over to Mexico or Annabelle Ortiz heading out to outside the country. So I, I talked to her manager uh, a while back, and he, Leopoldo Gonzalez, and he mentioned to me that she's ready to go to 108. So I think it's about that time. For her to go up, she'll be the champion since 2013. She's defended the title 10 times. So that is the, all of the fights that happened in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we're going to have our fight uh, preview for the next couple of weeks. But before we go to that, none other on our line is the WBC super lightweight champion from Chicago, Illinois, Miss Jessica McCaskill. Jessica, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good. Thank you for being with really us once good. again here on the Two Minute Round. My name is Felipe Leon, and with us is Mr. David Avila, who I'm going to pass the baton to. Go ahead, David. Jessica, good evening. How are you? I'm great. Feeling good. Ready for the fight. Oh, that's good. That's so. So, what's changed in your life since winning the WBC title? What's changed? Um, our team has really excelled. So our our schedule's been pretty packed with not just my training, but um, Alejandra Ayala. She's just had her U.S. debut in Gary, Indiana. We have a two-time national champion, Summer Lynn, just graduated from high school tonight. Um, so she's she went to Reno. She was in Atlanta. Um, also, Kim Carlson, she won um, the ticket to the Olympic trials, so she'll be in the Olympic trials in December. Uh, we had two guys win the Golden Gloves, so we've been pretty much training nonstop and pretty much just keeping each other on a high level. So basically, your gym's kind of exploding with with uh, people coming in. Is your gym growing bigger, or has it always been that big? It's it's always probably been this big, but we've just really been honing in on talent and really working with certain people to prepare them for different stages in their career and now we're just getting to the point where um they they're moving to the next level everybody's moving up to the next level so how do since winning the the, the title do, do you feel that um you, that female boxing is getting more credibility in chicago now 
now that they know we have a world champion and, and you're the only world champion from Chicago right now, um, right. do you feel it's, you're gaining credibility for the sport? I do feel like I'm gaining credibility for the sport. The sport all, all over, not just uh, female, but male and female, bringing excitement to Chicago. We've had, we had the big fight at the Winters. We're hoping to have some more fights there at the Winters Arena. Of course, that's going to be male and female. So um, I just want to put Chicago on the map and make it bigger for a lot more uh, prospects to come through. And for a lot of people that don't know uh, Jessica's history, you you actually come from St. Louis. That was where you were raised? I was um, raised in Belleville, Illinois, and after college I moved to St. Louis. And I usually claim St. Louis because people don't know uh, Belleville very well. But uh, oh. Belleville, St. Louis, Chicago, those are my main spots. So the whole Midwest is your territory now. Yeah, I'll take that, yeah. <laughs> It, well, for people that, that don't know, for our listeners, um, you started as a lightweight. You fought Katie Taylor. Um, you took this fight. Uh, you took the fight as super lightweight because it was available. Uh, what's what's the feeling now? Do you feel more comfortable as super lightweight? Uh, is it better for you, or or how's it been? I- since, uh, I am extremely flexible. I'm extremely, extremely flexible. As an amateur, I fought at 141, and I also fought at 152. The only time I went to 135 was in my professional career, and now we're at 140, and that we simply took that because it was an opportunity, and we jumped on it. So going forward, I am uh, excited to test out a few things. You know, it's called the sweet science for a reason. I want to test my body and go up in a weight a little bit, maybe go down in weight a little bit, and just kind of span a few weight classes. In the beginning, I, it seemed like you were a pure brawler, but in your title fight, uh, when you fought Erica Afarias, you showed your technical prowess, and, and it was kind of amazing because, you know, for, for people that don't get to see you that often, like myself, I had thought you were just merely a brawler, and then against Farias, you showed up all your other uh, fighting tools. Uh, Was that a new asset or was that something you always had? I definitely started off as a brawler in my amateur career. And that was just how I fought. And so the coaches that I started out with, that's what they used. And when I got to Chicago with Rick, Rick Ramos, he turned me into a boxer and then he helped me figure out how to turn it on and how to turn it off. So now I can do a little bit of both, you know, when, when the time strikes and when the opportunity is there, I can brawl and, you know, look for the knockout and do that. But also I want to make sure I'm, I look nice and sharp because on a professional level like this and you want people to take you seriously, you have to be sharp. Very good point. Um, so so fighting under the zone, this is uh, your second fight. Am I right that you're fighting under the zone banner or yes. streaming? It's, yes, you're 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 going to be fighting a, a Nahi Sanchez from Argentina. What what do you see in her as an opponent? She has a lot more experience than I do, but that's not something that uh, makes me waver at all. I'm usually the underdog in all of my fights, whether it comes to experience or whether it comes to someone being in their hometown compared to me being in my hometown. So I know she has a lot more fights, a lot of experience, 
Um, she likes to move. She likes to throw, like, kind of the straight one-twos. Um, that's just a little bit of, of something that I noticed from her. But whatever style I come up against, our goal is always for me to be in my best physical shape and to use my tactics, which are pressure and a lot of punches. Well, when you found out that the main event had, had fallen through, what, did were you uh... – a little disappointed, thinking that maybe your the whole card was gone, or what was going on when you heard about that? I was definitely keeping my ear to the ground, looking for posts, looking for even rumors. Um, and there was a rumor for a second that the fight was going to be moved to Vegas, which was really exciting. But um, I am definitely not um, disappointed fighting at the MGM National Harbor. That's still a spectacular event to be at. Um, so at first it was it was just kind of one of those things where it's like okay well what what happens now and and sometimes being this far down the line you don't get those answers right away so we just operate business as usual we still have sparring on certain days we still have strength conditioning we're still in the gym every day because you don't want to be caught slipping uh, so even if even if I even if it did get canceled we would still be in the gym because maybe we'll get a call a couple of weeks later because they thought oh well she was getting ready for a fight you know, maybe she's still ready. So we're always ready. That's that's what I've uh, discovered from your team in Chicago is that you're always ready. In fact, when you fought uh, Erica Farias, uh, I think you guys, I mean, barely got any kind of notice when you took that fight. Am I correct? Or... Yeah, we're, we're used to getting short notice on fights. We It used to be like maybe <laughs> – four weeks out, then it kind of grew to six weeks out. So now we're kind of at like an, an eight week or more um, status as far as getting fight offers. Um, but I mean, the thing was, is coming up in the game, you don't want to miss that big opportunity just because you felt like hanging out and, you know, eating chips and soda, you know what I mean? So there's, you have to have your focus and your, your priorities in order when you're boxing. For for fans uh, that that don't know about your background, you also fought Katie Taylor. Looking back in that fight, what would you do differently? I don't think I would do anything differently. Um, I think everything that we did was the best that I had at that time. I think we we wanted to be rough. We wanted to um, get some get her to give some points away, which she did. She she punched while holding me in a headlock and that's how she got her point taken away. Um she did a lot of holding which told me that I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And so I think we did exactly what we were supposed to do. And I, I honestly think if I had won that fight, that might have actually been a downfall because it would have been so much so fast. For for us, it's kind of like you know, almost hitting like a glass ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. So I think everything happens for a reason, and you know, we fought. You know, she gave me an opportunity, and there's a lot of talks about what may happen in the future. You know, my so we're gonna get through this fight uh, on Saturday, and she has a fight coming up, I believe, June first. And then after after we get our fights over with, we can have another conversation, a lot of um, another a rematch, another fight. What, what you're fighting for another title also. This is a unification match. Uh, yes. How does that make you feel, knowing that you can grab another belt? It's really exciting. Uh, I've We've been having a little bit of conversation about this, me and my team, and 
you know, it's great to be able to unify. It's great to be able to say that I've done that. But, you know, when you, when you have what is considered the best belt out there, the WBC is, is the mecca of belts. So when you start out with that, you kind of don't have the same excitement about everything else. So we're trying to figure out what our plan is going forward. You know, are we looking to unify all the belts or are we looking to maybe grab more WBC belts? Are we looking to span some different weight classes? So we're we're kind of um, experimenting with a few ideas right now and, and figuring out what we want to do and how we want our career to look. That's, that's an interesting point because I was going to ask you that. Uh, so are you looking to go up or down? Both. We want, we want. Oh, I see. Right. The the most important thing for us is is getting the fights, the big fights like Katie Taylor, um, maybe Amanda Serrano, Cecilia Baracus. She that so she would be going up. So there's a couple of people that we would very respectfully love to fight just because why why be in the sport if you're if you're not going to go for big names and high skill. Um, so that's some things that we've also been talking about. Oh, good point. Uh, oh, also, is, is it Rick Ramos's birthday? Is this? I think I saw something. <laughs> it is. It is. Shout oh, out to Rick well, Ramos. Some, yeah, give a shout out to him for for uh, another good birthday. <laughs> yes, I asked him. Today, I said, "Did you have a good birthday?" And he said, uh, "He said not yet. We gotta wait till Saturday." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> He's a patient guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let me touch. Let me pass you on to Felipe. I know we have some questions for you. Okay, thank you, David. Yeah. Hello, Jessica. How are you doing today? I'm great. So last time you were here, we had uh, your manager slash trainer, Rick Ramos, with us. And he mentioned that for him, all the Argentinian girls have a similar style and that if you could beat one, you could possibly beat all of them. Do you feel the same way? I do feel the same way I, because they haven't really presented themselves to be different in any aspect. So, I mean, once you've seen one, quite possibly you've seen them all. Um, Farias was uh, pretty aggressive, so she might have been maybe the higher tier of, of the few that are out there. I think there's a Sechen, there's Farias, there's Sanchez. Um, and so once once you've you've gotten past like I said, the more aggressive of the bunch, then the others can be pretty predictable. Now, with that said, you face Erika Farias. Um, who do you think is better as far as what you've seen? Obviously, you already faced Farias. Maybe this question would be better answered after Saturday. But just looking at it on paper, who do you think is better, Farias or Sanchez? I would say um, Farias would be – the better of of the three, um, and they they all have a lot of experience. They all have a lot of fights under their belt. Farias um, had the WBC. Um, that's usually the more difficult belt to get. She she had a lot of um, forward moving motion. She wasn't afraid to get in there and fight. I do feel like there was a point in time during the fight where she she didn't want to be in there anymore, and so she broke down a little bit. And my goal was just to do the same thing. Sanchez, but faster and earlier in the game. Now, you mentioned that you haven't decided yet if you want to unify all the titles at 140. That's something that you and your team have been discussing. But the other champions there, as of right now, still is, you know, the WBA Sanchez, WBC is obviously you. 
Noeli Bustos, who is also from Argentina, is the IBF champion. And the newcomer to the scene, Cristina Leonardo, is the WBO out of Greece. So if you had to rank those three, one, two, three, how would you rank them? I would probably rank them in order of how I would rank the belts. I would probably go IBF, WBO, WBA, WBC. So um, in that order, that's how I would probably put the females. I don't, I don't have a great background on on all of them, um, but as far as as far as unifying at 140, I I don't think that's our goal anymore. I mean, it's it's something that gets put out there and it, it's a goal to shoot for. But when you actually have time to sit down and figure out how your career is going to be different and and what you're going to stand out for when it comes, you know, time to look back on on what you've done. Unifying isn't really the top of our list. That's interesting because, you know, when you talk, most of other champions, not other fighters, because other fighters look to capture a world title. I mean, that's the main goal. I mean, that's the goal that I think that any fighter, male or female, ever since they strap on a pair of clothes, that's what they want to become a world champion. And then once you get there, a lot of fighters, want to unify and become the best in the division. Uh, Cecilia Breakhouse has done it. Uh, Clarissa Shields has done it. Katie Taylor is one step away and doing it June 1st. So it's kind of interesting to hear you say that that's not mainly the, the main goal for you guys. Why is that? Well, when I look at boxing, I don't necessarily consider collecting belts to, to be the best. I consider the talent that's out there being the gauge of what's best in boxing. Cecilia Baracus has a great uh, background in, in boxing history. And honestly, she has a lot of fights and she very well could be retiring in the next few years. And so if I spend all my time, you know, chasing these belts and then she retires and then I don't get a chance to possibly go toe to toe with her, that would be a regret for sure. Um, I think I could stand in there with Cecilia, maybe, you know, um, even even throw out some surprises there. It's, I, I would love to, we we met in Vegas um, a couple of years ago. Um, very very nice uh, gal and respectfully would love to fight her. Would love to fight Katie again. You know, so I don't want to miss out on certain timely opportunities because there's kind of a standard and a history that's already there of what other people have been doing. They've been chasing belts. They've been trying to unify. That's not our goal and we definitely don't do what everybody else does. So, um, like I said, that's something that as far as an exact map, we don't have one right now. We've got to, we have to see what you know happens Saturday, what happens June 1st for Katie. And then that's something that we can talk to Eddie Hearn, Matt Froome, um, and Rick Ramos about. Now, Taylor obviously is interested in unifying her division, which she is a step away from on June 1st, facing Delphine Pursuit. Do you think and when, last time you were here with Rick Ramos, he, you and he mentioned, and the first part of the question is, is that one of the main goals, obviously getting the rematch with Taylor? And the second part of the question is, do you think it would make it more enticing for her if she is to capture all the titles at 135, for her to go up to 140 and face you and maybe capture all the titles if you were to unify the 140 division? Um, I think it would happen way before me trying to unify the the entire 140 division. I mean, after she unifies 135, 
for her fans for, for her fans to stay interested and for her to stay busy, they're gonna have to do something. So if they move up and try a different weight class, I think that would uh put her on pace just to to have, you know, more things lined up for her career. So I don't think she necessarily would have to wait until I unify everything. It could be as soon as her next couple of fights, you know, honestly. Um and what was the first part of your question? Um if the rematch with Taylor is still is, one of the top priorities of your career. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a top priority. It's a realistic, um, smart business move. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here. We're trying to do things in a timely manner. We're trying to make business moves, um, historic events, those kind of things to, to really put my mark on boxing. When you look back on boxing history, my name stands out. Now, it seems like I understand what you're saying. It seems like you kind of think like you need to move fast. Is it because you're thinking of maybe your career not going as long as other fighters? No, I don't, feel like, I don't feel like it needs to go fast, but I do feel like it has gone extremely fast. We're talking about unification mm-hmm. in, in nine, um, nine fights. So yeah, I've always been told, I guess maybe because of my age, that just the things that we've been doing and, and the plans that Rick has had from the very beginning, everything's going to go fast, and it did. Um, and I'm more so concerned about, you know, Katie's Katie's an old boxer. She's young in age, but she's old in fights, and she's had X number of amateur fights that puts her way above, you know, some of these other female boxers as far as a number is concerned. So I don't know how long she's going to last. I don't know how long Cecilia's going to last with, with her age and, and number of fights. And she's, you know, been unified now for a while. And so I, I it's more for me, you know, kind of making sure I get mine out of those people before they retire. Um, as far as me, I still have time in the game. And um, it's, we're keeping our level of um, intensity or just the high level of boxing as a priority, so we're not necessarily looking to, like, get an IBF title. Like, that's not something that's necessarily on our map. Like, we've, we've done the ABO, we've done some of the smaller fights, and now that we're on a different level, we're trying to make sure that we keep it there and even elevate it. Good. Hello, Felipe? We may have lost Felipe. <laughs> Can Uh-oh. you hear me? I can yeah, I think that. we may have. Uh, I, I think we lost Felipe. He'll, he'll probably be back in a second. But it's interesting that um, you say that because there are fights above and uh, above you and below you that that are actually pretty interesting fights. And um, when, when you look at the female boxing landscape, what what would you wish that uh, other female fighters would do? I feel like we're doing a lot better. There's a lot more people stepping up and a lot more people taking risks and shooting for those belts and those titles. Um, the WBO was just filled recently, correct, on the on the 140 scale. Um, so I think we're doing a lot better. But a lot of times females will they'll have like one fight and then they'll shoot for the top of the list and it's they haven't put in any work and so a lot of people just need to put in a lot more work and show their face and be present and stay in the gym so when they get the phone call they're not 
turning it down because they haven't been in the gym, they're not in shape. Um, some people need to, to be more open to make the sacrifices to kind of put some things aside to put the gym first, you know. Well, I, another hey, question I'm I want to ask. Oh, okay, go ahead, Felipe. No, but go ahead, David. Go ahead because uh, uh, that was my last question, so, so go ahead. Uh, I had a question. You're fighting for the WBC, and, and recently uh, Mauricio Suleiman had said that he wanted to test all women for PEDs. Are you going through some form of testing right now? I have had my blood work done, which is a normal routine thing that we have done pretty much every six months. Of course, after the fight, we do testing. Um, as far as I know, I know in London we we did a urine test and a blood test. Um, after the WBC fight in October, I don't think I did anything, I, but I can't really remember. That was kind of a crazy moment. But um, if there is any testing, I'm used to it being after the fight, and um, that's not a problem for me. I think it's a very good idea. Um, everybody should be on the same page, and we have to make the sport safe and help people realize that are coming up under us the right way to go about this sport. Yeah, uh, yes, because the WBC is trying to—they're trying to take the lead. Uh, They—they wanted. They know that there's a cost for it, and they know that uh, women don't make as much. But now, with the with the emergence of the zone and and some Showtime fights being uh, uh, televising of female fights, uh, they're agreeing to to test for PEDs with women and to make sure that everything is on the even kill. Uh, recently, I spoke to somebody from from uh, Vada, and they were telling me that that uh, PED use for women is is much more impactive than it is with men. That even with men who use uh, PEDs and are caught, their level of uh, uh, what's the word? Um, their level jumps from maybe from a six to an eight. But for mm-hmm. women because they don't have testosterone, when they get uh, used PEDs, they, they jump from a, like a zero to an eight. Wow. Uh, because, and it gives them a, a huge advantage. It's not just a, a slight advantage. It's a huge advantage. So for those people that are using, they, they've got this, uh, it's basically like a guy fighting a, a woman. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's why I was asking. I'm hoping that, uh, that, that they're able to test everybody to make sure everybody's uh, clean, and hopefully you don't have to confront somebody who's who's juicing, and you know, right? Yeah, it would be a terrible disadvantage. The the more the testing happens, the better. I I have seen some, uh, I think it was like some Facebook posts or maybe some tweets or something where um, uh, somebody, an athlete, I want to say it was more of an MMA fighter, took a picture inside of like a Home Depot bathroom and said that he had been approached to, to get a random testing and somebody else commented and said, they got me in a Walmart bathroom. And it's like, you know, random, um, scheduled, whatever. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah. I think that's a good thing for female boxing. We, we'd hate to see somebody die, uh, yeah. because of that, uh, Basically, it's 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 something we can afford. But um, Felipe, no, I'm good, David. I, I want to let Jessica go because I know it's like eleven o'clock out there in uh, <laughs> the East Coast, and she has a way oh, tomorrow. True. So I'm sure 
I'm sure she wants to get her sleep in and, and wake up late and head out to the uh, to the win. So, Jessica, I want to thank you very much for being here with us. We wish you all the luck, and uh, hopefully we have you back on the show soon, and we can say that you are the unified WBC and WBA world champion. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Jessica. All right. You guys have a great night. You too, Jessica. Have a great night. And there you have it, folks. The WBC Super Lightweight Champion Jessica McCaskill with us just a couple nights before her big fight on Saturday night from the Maryland MGM Harbor in Oxon Hill, Maryland. And that's going to be live on The Zone. So if you have The Zone, you can watch that fight live and see uh, the only world champion, current world champion from the great Windy City of Chicago, Illinois, Jessica McCaskill, look to unify her title with the WBA title of Anai Esther Sanchez. Very interesting interview, David. Um, you know, uh, the most interesting part is the fact that, you know, she's not really interested in getting on the fourth title. She wants big names. That's the most important thing for her. And this is the fight that was presented for her. And I don't think, I don't find her as excited to win the WBA title. She just wants to win. Yeah, that, that's, you know, it's a good point. Um, and she also wants the best fights. And that's, you can't say anything more than that. You want the best fights. Uh, if the best fight is outside of the division and she's willing to go for it, that's great because that's the only way women's boxing is going to get uh, rise above the, the din and, and get noticed. When you have uh, somebody like Jessica McCaskill that's willing to fight a Cecilia Brackis or, or you know, somebody of, of that uh, uh, level, uh, that's what we need. I mean, that's what female boxing needs. I agree, but I also I, – I think that, like, let's say Katie Taylor, let's say she wins against Sophie Pursuit on the first – you know, she doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily need to go up to 140 just yet because, I mean, Michaela Mayer could come back, come up. The Amanda Serrano fight can happen at 130 because that is True. what Eddie Hearn has stated. Um, you know, Melissa St. Bill can go up to 135 and keep Katie Taylor busy. Myla Havadouche can go up and keep uh, Katie Taylor busy. But now at 140, if you have a Jessica McCaskill who has, elevated her her profile by unifying the 140 division, then it makes Eddie Hearn and Katie Lee Taylor think, well, we already beat her. We could go up to 140 and get all the titles there if I were to beat her again. And I only have to fight once instead of four times to get all the titles at 140. And now I unified 135 and 140. That, to me, makes it more enticing for Katie Taylor, and maybe that is a road that McCaskill and her team might want to think about. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, point that you bring about. Yeah, I agree. That is that is another avenue you can take. Yeah, because, I mean, she could – I mean, Katie Taylor could say, you know what, I did what I needed to do at 135. I beat all the champs. I'm moving up. Or she could stay there and just cruise. You know, she is – like, but McCaskill does have a point. She's – Katie Taylor's not a spring chicken. She's 32. McCaskill's 34. But, you know, Katie Taylor has all those amateur fights. Um, she she has more wear and tear in her body from all those trainings for all those uh, amateur fights. And then 13 
uh, pro fights, whereas McCaskill has nine pro fights, and I don't even think she had that many amateur fights. So she does have a point there that Katie Taylor is not a spring chicken, but I think that, you know, if Katie Taylor were to cruise a little bit at 135 and see how the 140 division uh, works out itself, it could make it it could make it more uh, exciting and more enticing for her. Oh yes, uh, that's uh, that's a good point. I think uh, I would love to see uh, Jessica McCaskill fight uh, Katie Taylor again. I think um, that was an eye-opening event. I think of all the fights Katie Taylor had, that was the one that was probably the most dangerous fight for her because she really got rocked by Jessica McCaskill in that fight, and that's. The only opponent that Katie's fought that actually rocked her, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens on the first because she is going to be fighting the who is considered, I think, the number one, according to Boxrec, um, the number one lightweight female lightweight in the world who is not Katie Taylor is still being pursued, mm-hmm. according to the points. You know. So yeah. that fight the 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 is very good. Katie Taylor. Yeah, it's going to be number one against number two. Now, the, now if you guys are not familiar with the way the point system works in um, in BoxRec, it's an algorithm that was developed by the the developer of BoxRec, and it basically scores the fighters that you have faced and beaten and the fighters that they have faced and beaten or lost to and puts it all in a score system and then gives you points. So Delphine Pursuit right now is 85.13 which gives her the number one position as a lightweight and, uh, for all female fighters. And number two is Katie Taylor at 83.63. So whoever wins that fight is going to be the number one, according to Boxrec. Um, so we'll see what happens, and we'll see where it leads Katie Taylor, Jessica McCaskill, and all those involved after June 1st, like McCaskill said. So with that said, let's go to the fight chatter real quick, David. I don't have much. One thing that I do want to – uh, mention is that this last week, our good friend Mariano Labarri Juarez, the WBC 118-pound champion, who will be fighting in June uh, against Diana La Bonita Fernandez, and we'll be talking about that fight a little bit more in our next show, which is scheduled for June 6th. Um, uh, she uh, she actually made headlines in Mexico this last week because she was named as one of the 100 most powerful women in Mexico. And she was the only boxer on that list. So the list (laughs) consists of uh, politicians, artists, actresses, uh, you know, athletes, um, every every gamut of, of our society, the women, the most important women of our society in Mexico, um, a hundred of them were named on this list, and the only boxer that was named on the list was Barbie Juarez, Mariana La Barbie Juarez. Now, the I reason, wonder why not uh, Canelo. Well, no, this is women. You're, oh, I see. You're digging at, at you're digging at Canelo, David. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, why, why wasn't he mentioned? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's women. Um, it's just women. I'm but, sorry. <laughs> Uh, the reason that the magazine named her one of the most uh, influential women or the one of the most powerful women in Mexico in their Forbes list was because uh, they not only took in consideration her accomplishments in boxing, but also 
the fact that she's an influence on the newer generations of young girls and women because of her, you know, business sense and her and her uh, obviously her accomplishments as a boxer, and and it's here as an example of coming over or getting past any uh, adversity that they might have. So that is one of the reasons, or those are the reasons that Mariana La Barbie Juarez was named one of the most influential women in Mexico. And now let's move. Do you have anything, David, you want to share with us in the fight chatter? Uh, I just wanted to say that I was very um, uh, happy about that announcement because uh, Mariana Juarez, I've known her since she was uh, first started. And I remember when we first had her on the show and she explained why she does what she does and how she, she basically gave the blueprint for women. She said to do whatever you can to get noticed, do whatever you can. If somebody wants you to be here, you go there. Somebody asks you to be in this show, you do there. She was just visible and she did it. Uh, she has an untiring uh, 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 sense of uh, duty to, to bring women's boxing all the way to the top. And she's the blueprint. I agree, David, and, 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 and she did that in the beginning of her career, but surprisingly now with over 60 fights, three world titles in as many divisions, one of the best-paid female boxers in Mexico, she continues to do it. Every time that we've asked her to be on the show, without a doubt, she says yes. She doesn't say, oh, I can't, or, 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 she, cut, or she doesn't show up, or, or whatever. She's there. She, she's willing to be with us on the show she has her own show on YouTube. I mean, she could just sit back and not do anything and just, you know, fight. But she goes out and finds ways of, of keeping herself in the public eye. She's been in, in, in soap operas in Mexico, on TV shows, all over, magazines. She posts for she Playboy. She never says no. Uh, she never says no. So it's good for her, and she wholeheartedly deserves this uh, accolade from Forbes magazine. So... Yeah, we salute her. That said, yeah, let's let's move on to our upcoming calendar. Like we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, our next show is on June 6th. So we'll be talking about all the fights that we're going to mention right now, as well as, you know, what is coming up after June 6th, which are some big fights. Mariana Barbie Juarez is going to be fighting. Sinez uh, Estrada was announced that she's going to be fighting on June 13th. Uh, Adelaida La Cobra Ruiz has a fight on June 15th. Um, and that's after June 6th, obviously. So we'll be talking about that stuff and anything else that might be popping up. But as far as the upcoming calendar, it's not that busy, David. There isn't that many fights in the next couple of weeks, but there are some important ones. Actually, tonight, which it probably already happened, um, at the Casino del Sol in Tucson, Arizona, uh, Roy Jones Jr. Promotions on the UFC Fight Pass gave us a fighter that he actually uh, trained, Ikram Kerwat. Uh, will be facing or face the Brazilian Simone Aparecida de Silva in a 10-rounder at 126 pounds. So we'll be talking about the result of that fight on our next show. And this Saturday on May 25th, from the Estadio de Baseball in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, Sanford Promotions gives us on their second channel, Jackie Nava going after Marcela Acuna in a 10-rounder at 122 pounds. These two women met each other 10... Yeah, they met each other 10 years ago at the Luna Park, the legendary Luna Park uh, venue in Buenos Aires, Argentina, 
And Marcela Cunha won a unanimous decision there. She dropped Nava in the 10th round. Jackie, Jackie has always disputed that loss, saying that there was some, uh, you know, strange things going on. But she accepts it, and now she's looking to avenge that loss. This Saturday night here in Mexico, it's Marcela Acuña's first fight in Mexico, so she's excited for that. And at the press conference today, she did mention that if she was able to beat Jackie Nava 10 years ago, she doesn't see it. She seems to have a problem beating her this Saturday night. So that's going to be a good fight there on the Azteca channel in Mexico. And also on the semi-main event, Kenny Enriquez, the WBC interim 108-pound champion, will be defending her title for the third time against Venezuelan Lady Flores in a scheduled 10-rounder. Also, on Saturday from Poland, Ewa Bronica will be defending her 130-pound title for the WBO against Janice Perez in a scheduled 10-rounder. And our guest, our special guest today, Jessica McCaskill, will be facing Anaí Esther Sanchez in a 10-rounder for the WBA WBC 140-pound title, which, in my opinion, is the best fight of this weekend as far as female fights are concerned. And on Saturday, June 1st, from the Madison Square Garden in New York City on the undercard of Anthony Joshua's debut in the United States against Andy Reid. Katie Taylor will be looking to unify all the belts at 135, which she takes on WBC champion Delphine Prinsoon in a 10-rounder on June 1st, live on The Zone. And the Jessica McCaskill fight also will be live on The Zone, David. Any thoughts on these upcoming fights? Oh yeah, there's some doozies out there. I mean, the the unification between Acuna and Nava is like that's one I wish I was seeing live. And in fact, the the the, the co fight with Kenya is a good one. But I wish that they would allow Kenya to fight the actual champion. Uh, she has the interim title, but why not allow her to fight the uh, the Torres for the the actual WBC belt? I think uh, that's, that's uh, the champion is Jessenia Nian Gomez. Yeah, yeah. I I don't understand that. I don't understand why she has to wait so long to fight her. Yeah, I don't know WBC the WBC, but I mean they would have to. I mean I'm I would expect that after this fight they would have to um, order that fight because Gomez did have a voluntary defense in her last fight. So I think that her mandatory would have to be uh, coming up next, and the fighter from Tijuana would be that mandatory fighter, being that she holds an interim title. Um, other than that, Jessica McCaskill, Anita Sanchez, and Katie Taylor, they'll be pursuing David. Yes, a Taylor fight, they'll be pursuing. That's a great fight. I mean, that's this is Katie Taylor's closest match. Uh, This is a 50-50 fight, in my opinion. Uh, As good as Katie Taylor is, Delphine Persoon is an excellent fighter. Uh, It's a toss-up fight. Uh, If if you want to, if you're a betting person, that's a 50-50 fight right there. Now, you would expect that on paper, this fight would be more competitive than the Shields uh, Christina Hammer fight. I mean, everybody thought that that was going to be a competitive fight, and then actually what happened inside the ring turned out not to be. Um, but with Katie Taylor's style and Delphine Pursue's style, we would expect uh, more fireworks in this fight than that Shield Hammer. But unfortunately, the platform, which is the zone, 
is not as big as the Showtime platform where Shields and Hammer happened. Uh, oh, maybe it got a boost from the Canelo fight because uh, they added a lot of uh, new subscribers since Canelo fought Daniel Jacobs a few weeks back. So uh, maybe the platform is getting bigger slowly because it's a streaming device to zone and it's, it, it's word of mouth and people have to grab onto it. And I think um, Katie Taylor, even though a lot of people still don't know who she is here in the United States, uh, they're going to watch this fight because, because of the Joshua uh, Reese uh, heavyweight fight. And I think they're going to be amazed because this fight is going to be worth watching. Kaylee Taylor, Taylor and Delphine Pursun are going to be that, – that's high-level stuff. What do you think about this fight? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think it's a 50-50, maybe 51-49. I mean, I just think that Taylor's <laughs> style – I mean, Delphine Pursun, she, she, she's the best – as far as boxer is concerned, and she's the best opponent on paper that Katie Taylor would have faced up to this point, you know, on paper. But when we when we talk about styles, I think her style, Katie Taylor's style, is is slightly better, in my opinion, than Delphine Pursuit. I think I, I I feel that these kind of fighters that have very fluid footwork, you know, that are able to come in and come out always, for whatever reason, have a slight advantage over a more, of a more orthodox fighter. I mean, obviously, there have been times that a more orthodox fighter has been beaten, has beaten the, the, uh, the more fluid of foot fighter, but it turns out that fighter is a very special fighter. For example, Vasily Lomachenko, he has very fluid footwork. He got beaten by Orlando Salido, but that was his only second fight as a professional, and it was under dubious circumstances. Salido didn't come in on weight. A lot of uh, under-the-belt punches, split decision, win for Salido. But other than that, nobody has ever beaten them. And Lavrochenko in and out. Manny Pacquiao, another fighter that's very fluid of feet, of feet, moves in and out. And the guys that have beaten him have been guys that are somewhat above the grade as far as special. Juan Manuel Marquez, who he took four fights to beat him. And a Floyd Mayweather that is obviously above the grade uh, of any other fighter. I mean, Timothy Bradley beat him, but controversial, so on and so forth, you know. So is Delphine Pursun that special? We're going to find out on June 1st. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Katie Taylor is uh, very fluid. She's very um, – she is a special fighter. Mm-hmm. And usually, if those special fighters get beaten, it's by a way more special fighter than they are that has a more orthodox style, which Delphine Pursuit has. But is she that is she that much more special? We're gonna find out on June first, and we'll be back here on June sixth talking about it. So, with that said, Mr. David Avila out of Southern California, and yours truly, Felipe Leon in Tijuana, Baja California, Mexico. We thank you for being with us here on the Two Minute Round. Your hooks and jabs look at boxing, female boxing number 66. And we'll be right back here next on Thursday, June 6th, to talk about this and more and quite possibly have a special interview on June 6th. David, good night. Everyone, have a good night. Take care. All right, fans, here we 
round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.